If you believe God is sovereign, then you know nothing takes him by surprise. He has a reason for everything, even for allowing you to suffer hardship. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah considers the Apostle Paul's hardship, or thorn in the flesh, and how it actually enhanced his walk with the Lord. Here's David to introduce the conclusion of Courage When Frustration Distresses You. And sometimes we ask the question, Lord, why did you let this happen to me? I wanted to serve you, and now you let this happen. Or uh, sometimes we even accuse God of making it happen, which he never does. And of course, when you get the perspective of the Scripture, you begin to realize that God never allows anything that is not for our good and for his glory. And the things that he allows in our lives are often uh, purposed beyond anything we could ever understand. Perhaps not even here on this earth will we understand it. But um, he works all things well. He is the God of Romans 8:28. All things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. God wants to take all of the parts of our life and then synergize them into his perfect goal. We're learning that in this series on courage. Today we will turn again to 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, and finish up our discussion of courage when frustration distresses you. Before we go there, however, I want to tell you about this um, book that we're offering this month. It's kind of like the other the other track that we could go along together with the teaching on the radio now with the teaching of this book because they're telling us the same things. We're learning the same lessons. This book by Rob Morgan is called The Jordan River Rules. Uh, the byline is the same God who led you out will lead you on. And the chapters in this book are pregnant with principles that come right from the Word of God that are life-changing. As always, it's a fresh, illustrated book with applications you can't miss. It is sure to make a difference in your life, but you have to have it. And the way you get it from us now is send a gift of any size during the month of February. Sit down and write a note. Send a gift of any size and just simply ask for the book, The Jordan River Rules by Rob Morgan, and we'll send it to you. We have them in the warehouse. They're ready to go. As soon as we hear from you, it will be on its way to you. Well, let's get started with the last part of this discussion of Second Corinthians chapter 12. Paul's thorn in the flesh, Paul's issues, Paul wondering why, and then the principles that come uh, from it. it it's, just, it's just amazing to me how this is so practical and it's so personal, and it's so present for right now. Courage when frustration distresses you. Now, we've seen the reality of difficulty in the believer's life. I want you to think with me now for just a moment about the reason for denial in the believer's life. Because the Bible says in verse 7 that three times Paul asked the Lord, please send this thing away from me, and the Lord didn't do it. The Lord said, Paul, I'm not going to send it away. You're going to keep it. You're going to keep your thorn in the flesh. What I'm going to do is give you something that will help you with this situation. I'm going to give you my grace and my strength. Notice the display of God's grace was one of the reasons that he was denied relief from his problem. Verses 8 and 9, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Three times God was told by Paul Lord, please send this thing away. And three times God said, I'm not going to do that, Paul. What I am going to do is send you sufficient grace to deal with your problem. Has the Lord ever done that to you? 
Has the Lord ever said, well, I'm not going to take that away, but I will give you the grace to deal with it. One Friday morning, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the great English preacher, was speaking to his ministerial students, which was something he did on a routine basis. In fact, I have a book that I treasure called The Lectures to the Students that Charles Haddon Spurgeon were some of the lectures he gave to his students when they were growing up under his tutelage. Here's what he said on that particular day. He said, there are many passages of Scripture which you will never understand until some trying experience interprets them to you. He said, the other evening I was riding home after a heavy day's work, and I was wearied and depressed, and swiftly and suddenly as a lightning flash, this text laid hold on me. My grace is sufficient for you. When I got home, I looked it up in the original, and finally it dawned on me what the text was saying. My grace is sufficient for you. For you. My grace is sufficient for you. And I said to myself, Well, I should think it is. And I burst into laughter. And it seemed to me to make unbelief so absurd. It was as if though some little fish, being very thirsty, was troubled about drinking the river dry. And Father River said, Drink away, little fish. My stream is sufficient for you. Or as if some little mouse in the granaries of Egypt, after seven years of plenty, feared lest it should die of famine. And Joseph said, cheer up, little mouse. My granaries are sufficient for you. And again, I imagine a man way up in the mountain saying to himself, I fear I shall exhaust all the oxygen in the atmosphere. But the earth cries out, breathe away, old man, and fill your lungs. My atmosphere is sufficient for you. And do you see what Spurgeon said? He realized That one of the things we say when we don't get rid of the thorns and we don't get rid of the distress, well, you know, maybe God won't be able to deal with this. My friend, God is able to deal with it. His grace is sufficient for you. His grace is sufficient for me. It is like the fish to the river, the mouse to the granaries, the breathing to the entire atmosphere of the universe. So is the ratio of the grace of God to each of his children. When I was growing up, my mother used to clip out the poems written by Annie Johnson Flint. She loved Annie Johnson Flint. I didn't know very much about her at the time, except uh, since my parents have been gone, I've found a couple of books where the pages are all kind of yellow now, but where she'd gone in and she'd cut out these poems out of magazines and things, and she'd taped them in the book, and she has a couple of books. She had some books of the poetry of Annie Johnson Flint. Well, some of you a little older than the others are nodding your head. You know who Annie Johnson Flint is. And she wrote some great words. And one of her more famous poems goes like this. God has not promised skies always blue, flowers strewn pathways all our lives through. God has not promised sun without rain, joy without sorrow, peace without pain. But God has promised strength for the day, rest for the labor, light for the way, Grace for all trials, help from above, unfailing sympathy, and undying love. That's the truth of this passage. God hasn't promised you or me that we're going to sail through life with a get-home-free pass and not have any difficulty. But what God has promised is that His grace is sufficient for every need we will ever have. Amen? Amen. And many of us who've been around this thing called Christianity longer than others, we've experienced that. We know 
Not only do we believe this because the Bible says it's so, we believe it because we've experienced it. We know that the grace of God is sufficient for every need you have. Now, just put that in your mental notebook. You're going to need it someday. You may not have a thorn right now. You may be just sailing along and the skies are all clear. But I promise you, and I'm not a pessimist, I promise you, you will hit the bump in the road somewhere down the way. And oh, how wise and how blessed is the Christian who's prepared for the difficulty because they know the Word of God and are able to apply the truths to their situation. Now, not only is this in order that God might display His grace in our life, He wants to display His strength, too. For my strength, He says, is made perfect in weakness. The Lord told Paul that the only way he would ever experience the fullness of God's strength was to be made aware of his own weakness. Why is that? Because when we're full of our own strength, we don't understand that we need God. When we are going through powerful, positive, prosperous times, it's easy for us to forget where all the power and prosperity comes from. We think we did it. And so sometimes God has to bring us to the end of ourselves. A.B. Simpson, a minister from another generation, said it this way. He said, here is the secret of divine all-sufficiency. To come to the end of everything in ourselves and in our circumstances. When we reach this place, we will stop asking for sympathy because of our hard situation or bad treatment. For we will recognize these things as the very conditions of our blessing. And we will turn from them to God and find in them a claim upon him. The bumps are what you climb on. That's what he's saying. When you have these difficulties, God uses them to draw you to himself. Help you to understand your dependence upon him. So we have the reality of difficulty in the believer's life. We have the reason for denial in the believer's life. And now let's notice thirdly the result of discipline in the believer's life. Notice verses 9 and 10. Here's what happens as the result of going through these experiences. First of all, we discover the power that is in Christ. Verse 9, therefore most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul came to understand as he writes to us in 2 Corinthians that his thorn in the flesh was God at work in his life. Let me say that again. The thorn was God at work in his life. You see, how does God work by virtue of a thorn? He uses the problem to make us aware of our need so that we look up instead of looking inward in our own strength. What God told Paul was this. Paul, you will not be without the grace to do your job and you will not be without the strength to be my ambassador. But the creative difference now will be this. Your weakness will serve to magnify the glory of God in such a way that no one will ever be able again to look at you and explain you in human terms. Isn't it something to long for that kind of power? Lord God, give me such power in you that when people see me, they realize there's no way that could have come from him. That has to be God. That ought to be the prayer of every one of us here. Oh, God, do something so great in my life that when it's done, you are the only one who can get the credit for it. And when we get to the end of ourselves and we get to the end of our own strength, we begin to realize that our strength is not in us, but it comes from him. Then we can tap into the divine resource of God's power and we begin to see God do marvelous and miraculous things in us and through us. 
Not only does he discover the power in Christ, but he discovers the pleasure in infirmities. This is hard for you to understand when you first read it. Verse 10, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities. Now, this sort of sounds masochistic, doesn't it? Like this guy's a little weird. You mean you get joy out of infirmities and persecutions and distresses? I mean, if we had seen somebody like that today on sitcom television, we would say, well, there's an interesting twist to a program. Somebody who gets their kicks out of always being hurt. But please notice Paul says, for Christ's sake. I take pleasure in these things for Christ's sake. He says that because he understands that these are the things that make it possible for people to see the reality of Christ in his life. My friend, people don't understand the power of God in our lives when we are just sailing along and everything's good. You know where they see God's power? They see it when they watch us go through difficult times and they watch the creative difference that Jesus Christ makes in a person who is a believer and understands the truth of God's word. People look at that and they marvel. Have you noticed that? How do they ever get through that? How can they come through that with this sense of peace in their life? There's only one reason. There's only one explanation. It's not us. It's not our religion. It's a relationship with Almighty God through Jesus Christ. Listen to the way Eugene Peterson has paraphrased this whole passage, and you'll get the point. Here's what he says. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap, and I began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks, I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. That's how it works. Recently, I introduced you to George Matheson, the well-known blind preacher of Scotland. Toward the end of his life, he wrote these words. He said, My God... I have never thanked you for my thorn. I have thanked you a thousand times for my roses, but not once for my thorn. I have been looking forward to a world where I shall get compensation for my thorn, but I have never thought of my thorn as itself a present glory. Teach me the glory of my thorn. Teach me the value of my thorn so that I have climbed up to you by the path of pain. Show me that my tears have made my rainbows. That's it. Coming to an attitude shift. We would call it in today's vernacular a paradigm shift. No longer jettisoning problems, thinking the only way we can be happy is to be totally problem free. My friend, if that's your goal in life, you are in for a big surprise. There is no way to live life like that. The only way you're going to be filled with joy is to understand that problems are a part of who we are in our world. And embrace your problems in the power of God. Use them to climb up on so you can go to the next level in your walk with the Lord. God will enable you to do that. In one of his books, my friend Ron Mel, who is now with the Lord. Some of you remember Ron. He used to come here for our summer conferences. Ron had a type of cancer that was so rare. I think we're only like seven or eight people who had had it in this country. And he lived with this cancer longer than anyone had ever lived. And he lived his whole ministerial life basically under the pale of the fact that the next test he has could be the last one. And I kind of walked with him and his wife when they walked through this and every time the medicine would no longer work and they'd have to try to find a new one. I was with them and we went out to eat and his wife excused herself. Ron said to me, oh, she has to go get her shot. She's a diabetic. So here's this guy who's got terminal cancer and his wife has got an acute diabetes. 
Well, he's with the Lord now and rejoicing in his reward. But before he died, he wrote this book, and in this book he wrote this. He said, There are times when God restores to us the things we lose through negligence, ignorance, rebellion, or sin. For the Christian, storms are a no-lose proposition. They help us to see and acknowledge the loose shutters, the missing shingles, and the rotten fence posts in our lives while turning back to the only one who can make the necessary repairs, Almighty God. That's what happens. When we go through storms, God uses those storms to purify us, to help us see who we are in Him, and to recognize our own weakness so that we will appeal to His strength. Now, that brings us to the last thought, and we're finished. We've looked at the reality of difficulty in the believer's life, the purpose of it, and the pain of it. We've looked at the reasons for denial in the believer's life, so that God's grace might be displayed and so that His strength might be understood. And we looked at the result of discipline in the believer's life so that we would find our strength in the Lord. Now, this is the remarkable discovery of the believer's life. Verse 10b, For when I am weak, then I am strong. Say that with me. When I am weak, then I am strong. In other words, when I am weak in who I am, then I become strong in who he is. Would you not rather have the strength that he has than the weakness that you have? There's an exchange that goes on when you go through this process and you recognize your weakness and you embrace the strength of Almighty God. And you see, that's the difference in Christians. That's the difference in people. Let me tell you a couple of stories that will help you understand this as we close. Dr. A.J. Gordon, a great 19th century preacher, was walking through the World's Fair on one occasion. And he saw a man in the distance vigorously pumping water. He must have been doing a good job because the water was spewing out all over the place. He said as he got closer to the man, he discovered that what he thought was a man was really a wooden figure of a man. An artesian well was spewing forth all that water, and it was doing it under its own power. In fact, the well was the thing making the wooden man pump. He said the man was not pumping the water. The water was pumping the man. And Gordon said, that's the difference in Christians. If a Christian thinks he's doing it himself, he will never have the power that is resident. He should just back up and let the Lord do the work and accept the fact that he is a servant of Almighty God. Here's another way to understand that. There's a story about a woodpecker who was pecking on a tree in South Florida. Right in the middle of his pecking on that tree, a bolt of lightning hit the tree and split it right down the middle. The woodpecker backed off and surveyed the situation, looked at it for another minute, and then he flew away. Later on, he came back, and he had nine other woodpeckers with him. He said, there it is, gentlemen, right there. That's what I did. Right there, gentlemen, that's what I did. (laughs) How like the woodpecker are we? There it is, gentlemen, that's what I did. We know that we didn't really do it. God did it. Let me tell you what I've learned. When you do that, when you do it, friends, God shuts the lightning off. He shuts it off. Turns out to be a matter of attitude, doesn't it? Let's face it. We're all on the same page with this respect. We all have problems. We all have distresses. We all have frustrations. We all have health issues. We all have financial issues. We all have a certain kind of issue. But the difference is some people allow those issues to bring distress and frustration into their lives and they take them out of the game. Others take the position of the Word of God and use those distresses as an advantage 
so that they can count on the power of God in their life. It's interesting to me when you think about all of this that Paul was not the only one in the New Testament who prayed three times that something would be taken away. He was not the only one who had his prayers answered by his situation staying just as it was. Jesus took the disciples to the Mount of Olives and he left them alone and instructed them to pray as he went further into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. It was here in Gethsemane that he prayed this prayer, Luke 22. Father, if it is your will, please take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Was Jesus engaged in this issue that he was asking God to take away? The scripture and Matthew tells us that Jesus returned to his disciples three times and he found them sleeping. And then Matthew says in Matthew 26, and he came and found them asleep again for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again and prayed the third time saying the same words. What words? Father, Father, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Oh, there's a lot of theological discussion about what that meant. Let me tell you what I know it doesn't mean. Jesus was not praying that he wouldn't have to go to the cross. He came, according to the scripture, lo, in the volume of the book it is written, to do thy will, O God. Jesus was committed to the cross. But I believe what happened was this. When Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane, walked away from the rest of the disciples, isolated himself in that garden before God, in that moment, the awful, awful awareness of the sin of all mankind descended upon him in his humanity and he realized what it was he was going to do and that he would be separated from the Father. And the very thought of that, Jesus cried out, Lord God, Lord God, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Now I gotta ask you a question. Aren't you glad, Almighty God, didn't let that cup pass from him. Looking at it from our perspective, it was almighty God's refusal to respond. And I'm talking now in human terms that allowed Jesus to pay the full penalty and drink the last dregs in the cup of sorrow so that your sin and mine could be paid for. Almighty God kept him in the midst of that, sustained him by his grace. In fact, in the passage, he sent an angel to encourage him. But he didn't let him walk away. He didn't take away the cup for Jesus any more than he took it away for Paul. And in the midst of it, the glory of it was that what transpired touches you and me today right where we are. Amen. So the Bible says that when the difficult things come and we pray in our humanity, Lord, please take those away. Sometimes the Lord will come back and say, you know what? I could take that away, but I got something better for you. I got my grace and I've got my strength and I want you to experience it because it will make you better than you could ever be. And I've lived long enough and most of you probably have too, to see that grace operative in the life of someone who's going through trials. Um, we've had a lot of uh, unexpected deaths over these last months. People that we thought were 
were just so healthy and then either from COVID or something else happens. And then you watch their families as they grapple with it. And you can tell, do they know Jesus? And if they know Jesus, they they sorrow like everyone else, but they don't sorrow in the same way with the despair in their heart because they know that God is still in control and that in the end, he will make all things right. If you're going through a time right now of frustration and discouragement, maybe you're in a family where you've lost a loved one from COVID. Just remember that God loves you and he is going to help you. And while you may not see it now, somewhere down the way, you will probably look back over your shoulder and realize that something good came from this. You just have to keep your eyes open for it. God will show you, and he'll love you in the process. Well, tomorrow we're going to talk about courage when foes demoralize you. How to stay courageous when people are all over you, when they're just trying to give your life uh, misery instead of, of joy. We all have these people in our lives sooner or later, so let's learn how to deal with it tomorrow from the book of Daniel, right here on Turning Point. The message you just heard came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church, where Dr. David Jeremiah serves as senior pastor. How are you being blessed by Turning Point? Write us at Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Robert J. Morgan's book, The Jordan River Rules, 10 God-Given Strategies for Moving Forward. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, Courage to Conquer, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations. We can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with Airship Genesis Legendary Bible Adventures from Turning Point. Tune in to our monthly audio adventures and join the Genesis Exploration Squad as they travel back in time to experience the stories of the Bible firsthand and discover life-changing lessons. Also available is the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, packed with the biblical content specifically written for kids from trusted Bible teacher Dr. David Jeremiah. You can also download our Airship Genesis mobile game on your favorite smart device and play as your favorite characters in this puzzle adventure game as the squad experiences the life of Jesus firsthand. Just go to your app store and type the keywords Airship Genesis. For more details or to order a copy of the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, visit our website at airshipgenesis.com Bible. That's airshipgenesis.com Bible. Today in this country, we don't often see farmers plowing their fields using animals for power, horses or oxen. 
But in Jesus' day, it was common. And Jesus used the image of the plowman to make an important spiritual point. He said, no one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. To keep his furrow straight, the plowman is always looking forward, so the present furrow is right next to the previous one. And Jesus was saying, don't doubt your commitment to follow me. Don't look back. Don't be indecisive. Keep looking ahead. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's reasons to stay focused on Christ on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.